Are you looking for a new basketball shoe? If so, this is Gary Parrish here to tell you that the New Balance 2-Way V4 features the groundbreaking use of fuel cell technology with fresh foam creating the ultimate combination of rebound and cushioning. Every step feels explosive and dynamic, and the upper construction features a lightweight textile that's supportive and breathable. So whether you're hitting the clutch shot or locking down the opposition, the 2-Way V4 gives you the tools to play at a high level. Learn more and purchase the 2-Way at newbalance.com. The all-new Hyundai 2024 Santa Fe is equipped with everything you need to break free from the dull work week and embark on an adventurous weekend with your family. The Hyundai Santa Fe's features like available H-Track all-wheel drive, standard third-row seating, available dual wireless charging pads. You've got the H-Track all-wheel drive so you can take on those dirt trails and kick up some mud. Or the third-row seating gets your whole family in to experience the thrill together. The dual wireless charging pads make sure that no one gets stuck in the great outdoors with a dead cell phone. Think about those adventurous activities you can do. Like me, taking a ski trip up with the family, maybe going on a camping expedition, anything and everything. Learn more about the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe at HyundaiUSA.com. Call 562-314-4603 for complete details. Hey there, Gary Parrish. Welcome back to the CBS Sports Eye on College Basketball Podcast, where we sometimes discuss camel fighting dodo birds and leaky black calboons here with me. If you're watching on YouTube, smash the like button like your Brandon Davis. You, you have consent. If you haven't yet subscribed to the YouTube channel, please knock that out while you're here. Let's get into it. So you probably heard Texas officially fired Chris Beard on Thursday for a call. So his time in Austin is done on at least... Two previous episodes of the On College Basketball Podcast, we've, we've already discussed the, the details as we know them of the night of the alleged incident. Let, let the record show. Um, I, I don't want to speak for Kyle Boone, but I, I believe Texas did the appropriate thing here. I think Kyle believes Texas did the appropriate thing here. It's a sad story with no winners, but there's really no need to, to say that for the 50th time. So let's decline to be repetitive. Just skip that part. and Let me ask Strongjaw two questions. Here's the first one. Will Chris Beard ever coach Division I college basketball again? Very difficult to tell right now. Um, there were some very serious allegations that were made. Obviously, his fiance has recanted those allegations. I still think it would be very difficult to hire him again. <clears throat> that being said, we're talking about a coach who I think was pretty widely considered top five, top 10 coach in college basketball, coaching a team at Texas that I think was and still is probably a national title contender. And he put those pieces together. So, you know, maybe in a few years, I, it wouldn't surprise me at all if Chris Beard surfaces again and, and gets another chance. Right now, it seems very unlikely just given everything that went down and the allegations that were made. Um, but, you know, the, I, I think a lot of coaches of his pedigree, even in a similar situation, would get a second chance. And it wouldn't surprise me if Chris Beard was coaching Division One basketball at some point down the road. I think I'm, I'm with you. I, I don't believe Texas had any real choice here. Mm -hmm. um, I mean, obviously, you, you always have a choice. But practically speaking, I think Texas did what it had to do. Um, this is a school that had just found uh, the, the guy many people believed was perfect for their job. And you're exactly right. In in coaching circles and basketball circles, Chris Beard was regarded as one of the very best coaches in the entire country. You know, I, I talked to NBA people, and when you would sort of pick their brains about coaches – I have had multiple NBA scouts, front office members, tell me over the past few years that, you know, they go to all these practices. They've been in everybody's practice at this point. And the guy who runs the best practices from start to finish is Chris Beard. I've had multiple NBA people tell me that. So this is an immensely talented, um, you know, basketball coach. And I'm, I'm, I'm sure if there was a reasonable way to keep him, Texas would have done that. But because the allegations were so disturbing and because this isn't just a he said, she said thing that authorities, you know, were called to the residents and then they, with their own eyes, saw the injuries. 
um, you know, Texas did what what it, what it had to do, and and what I believe most co- what most universities, self respecting universities at least, would do. But you know, my experience with not necessarily these types of things, but you know, coaches who are forced out, um, you know, for cheating or for personal life problems or anything in between. Um, you know, it's easy in the moment to say, well, they're done. They'll never coach again. And then you look up and they just are coaching again. Uh, because when you put time between these things, the facts of the case, whatever they are, will never change. But people's w- willingness to overlook them or to accept um, the idea that somebody has changed and, and paid a price and deserves a second chance, that, that, stuff, that stuff does change. Like right now, I think if you took a poll, well, you know, should Chris Beard coach Division I basketball again, the overwhelming majority of people would say no. Take that same poll in five years, I bet you the numbers look a little different. And so I, I think he probably will coach again. Never at the level of the University of Texas, but could I see him coaching some small Texas school you know, at, at the mid-major or low-major level. Um, yeah, I could absolutely see that. But, um, you know, to think about how quickly, um, by your own doing, um, your life can just, you know, I, I've, I've made mistakes in my life, but I've never made a mistake where I woke up the next day and went, my life has changed forever and there's nothing I can do about it now. Like the life I wanted and the life I thought I had is gone. My fault, but boy, it's I have to start a new life from here and I'll never get the life back that I had and that I wanted. I fortunately I've never gone through something like that on a personal level or a professional level. And and fingers crossed I I never will. But I can't imagine, and this isn't to show any sympathy toward Chris Beard. He what he allegedly did is cause for termination. You know, for lack of a better cliche he 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 is paying the price um for for his missteps he is um lying in the bed that he made but i i can't imagine what it's like to wake up one day and and think and people do do this every day but i i i guess i i guess i can't imagine it but boy it's just hard to wrap your head around you've worked you work your whole life for something you get it it's going extremely well and then you screw it all up in a way that is impossible to repair. That is, um, that's a scary thing for anybody. Um, and, and it's, you know, uh, there's a lesson in there for all of us. You, you can screw your, your life up with one bad decision. And, um, you know, so you try to stay away from those bad decisions. Yep. And the ascension of Chris Beard, I think was one of the quickest, obviously in college basketball. I mean, this is the guy who took Arkansas little rock, to new heights, you know, at, at Texas Tech, he was doing things that Texas Tech was, you know, literally never doing. And in his second season at Texas, I mean, like, this is a team that I picked to win the Big 12. They, they started the season, I believe, number one at Ken Palm. Um, they're in the top 10 of the AP poll right now. They still have a really good team. Ronnie Terry's going to have a chance, I think, to win at a high level this season. But, yeah, Chris, Chris Beard's life is, uh, is is forever changed. I, I I do think at some point we will see him coaching uh, down the road, but um, I, I think a lot of that is going to have to play out over the the weeks and months ahead, especially with whether or not they do intend to file charges. Um, obviously, there's a little bit of movement there on that front. Uh, Beard's attorney this week, you know, in a in a statement sent to Texas. <laughs> said more or less that he he believes and expects that there will no there will be no um pursuit uh from the DA uh in this case and so you know we'll we'll wait to see how that plays out i think that will go maybe a little a little ways or maybe a long ways towards determining what happens with Chris Beard down the road but um yeah it's uh it's it's just a crazy situation all around so that was my first question. Will Chris Beard ever coach Division One basketball again? I think we both um, believe that he will someday at some level below the level at which um, he was flourishing at Texas. Second question. Who is coaching Texas next season? Mm, I love this question. 
Marcus Nelson, our, our great editor, posed this question. I the best. He's like, you know, Marcus the GOAT, no doubt about it. He's the uh, GOAT. We have a lot of great editors, uh, but Marcus is, uh, is our college basketball editor. Shout out to Marcus. Yeah, I mean, you look up, you look up with Marcus, and he's, he's, uh, he's, he's, do, he's, he's publishing something, editing something, and publishing it at 8 in the morning, and you look up, and it's 2 in the morning, and he's doing the, the same thing. That man works long, hard hours. We're lucky to have him. He's wild. Yes, we are very fortunate to have Marcus. Shout out to Marcus. We love you. Um, my response when Marcus posed this question was just a picture of John Calipari. And at the time, I'm like, ha, you know, LOL, wouldn't that be funny? And then you, po- I think you responded. It's like, that would be kind of interesting. And you think about it a little bit more. And it's like, that was obviously the, the first one I thought of because John Calipari, you know, it's like every job that opens, he seems to be mentioned because every program wants John Calipari. At this point, it feels like Kentucky fans would pay for shipping, right? Like they're, they're kind of sick of John Calipari. They're 10-4 this season, which is a disappointment, I think, that uh, relative to preseason expectations kind of continues recent trend of not quite meeting expectations by UK fans. And they have lofty expectations, and I think that's very, very, very fair at the University of Kentucky. But lost to St. Peter's in the NCAA tournament. Haven't been to the Final Four since 2015. No Elite Eights since 2018. Their offense looks totally archaic. They have a ton of talent every year, and every year it just feels like they're quite—they're not quite meeting the expectations. So maybe a refresh, a restart could be what Kentucky and, and Calipari needs. So John Calipari to me is is uh, 1A on Texas's wish list. I don't know if he'd be coaching ne- next season at Texas, but he's the one that I think uh, Texas could potentially, like the one big fish that actually could be realistic. So I, put, to- <clears throat> yeah. so, so I put together a list of of. Texas candidates last night. You can find it at cbssports.com. And on that list is John Calipari. And immediately from some people, it was like, yeah, but why would the Kentucky coach leave for Texas? And that's a, that's an easy thing to say in a vacuum, but we're not in a vacuum here. The context of the situation matters. By the way, uh, there's a Kentucky coach named Tubby Smith who left for Minnesota yeah. for the exact same reasons because it had become miserable and unbearable because what you were doing for that school was no longer enough for the fan base. Don't ever forget, like, why would the Kentucky coach leave for Texas? More or less for the same reasons the Kentucky coach left for Minnesota. Because you reach a point, I, I think we can all agree there is there is no bigger and more intense fan base than the Kentucky fan base. There are other big and intense fan bases, Indiana, obviously, Kansas, North Carolina. I don't think there's a bigger and more intense fan base than the Kentucky fan base. And when things are going well, I mean, you're a God. There was a time I used to joke, like, because we, you could put these polls on Twitter and you know, it would be like, so what's the best home court advantage in America? And Rupp Arena would win it every year. By the way, Rupp Arena is not the best home court advantage in America. Rupp Arena is not the best place to see a college basketball game. But Rupp Arena would win that poll. Why? Because Kentucky fans would take it over. The, the joke I used to make is like if you were to ask, uh, put a poll up, um, uh, who's the greatest Beatle of all time? You know, Paul, John, George, Ringo, or John Calipari. John Calipari would win the poll if Kentucky fans got a hold of it. Uh, when you're good, when you're doing well there, you are you got a whole army behind you. But when it starts to slip a little bit, or you're no longer doing what you used to do, or meeting expectations, um, it, it gets it gets real uncomfortable. And I think we've gotten to that place with John at at Kentucky. You know, it 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 started. I don't know. You could trace it all the way back to not winning the national championship in 2015, even though they went to the final four with a 38 and an O record and clearly had the best team in the country. And you can reasonably argue and not, not definitively argue, but reasonably argue if you just play the right people, you win the national championship instead of trying to play so many people to keep so many people happy. So there's that, that they haven't been back to the Final Four since 2015. Two seasons ago, worst in modern Kentucky history, missed the NCAA uh, tournament. Um, Last season, lose to St. Peter's in the first round. This summer, uh, get into a back and forth 
I don't know if it's technically a back and forth, but certainly a spat on some level with the Kentucky football coach. And the Kentucky fans largely took the side of the Kentucky football coach. And then you start the season ranked number one at Ken Palm, and you're sitting here on January 6th. Oh, it's January 6th. Just realize it's January 6th. You sit here on January 6th and um, you've got no good wins and your team is undeniably underachieving relative to, to preseason expectations. You know, Kentucky fans, I, I don't want to you know, lump them all together because there's, you know, you, you, you start with Kentucky fans and then there's different groups of them. And I'm, I'm sure some of them still love and appreciate and adore John Calipari, but whatever that number used to be, it ain't, it ain't the same anymore. And, you know, when, when John got into that, when when the Kentucky football coach went at John this summer on Twitter and largely Kentucky fans backed the football coach over the basketball coach, I got a phone call from one of John's close friends and we were just talking about, can you believe this? And, you know, and, you know, John was just trying to get uh, to put some pressure on his athletic director to get a practice facility built. And now it's blown up on him. And th- this close friend of John said to me, the truth is he should have. You know, and, and the guy was like, I'm not I'm not trying to be, um, you know, Monday morning quarterback here because I don't know that I told John then you got to do this. But looking back at it, this person said John should have taken the UCLA job mm. when they fired Steve Offer. Yeah, he could have been the UCLA coach instead of McCronin. Yeah. And um, he, he passed for understandable reasons at the time. But looking back on it, this friend of his said he should have he should have gone. And literally nothing from this summer has changed for the better for John Calipari, other than maybe he's got an incredible recruiting class on the way. But even that, I, I, I gather some Kentucky fans are just like shrugging their shoulders like, oh, we got another great recruiting class on the way? Yeah, Every year, every year we got that. And we still got one national championship, haven't been to the Final Four since 2015. Yeah. So I'm not predicting John Calipari is going to be the next ho- head coach at Texas. What I am guaranteeing you is that he would, he would consider it, and I, I think seriously consider it, because – what history tells us is once you lose the fan base, like once they don't believe in you anymore, it becomes very difficult to win them back over. Like, the, you know, Tom Crean got there at Indiana. Fans turned on him and then he won a Big East, uh, a Big Ten title outright. And it was like, okay. But then the next season, some injuries went the wrong way. Boom, fired. It's over. And I don't think John is. Um, at risk of being fired because firing John Calipari would cost Kentucky a lot, lot, lot of money. But your quality of life does matter. And if you are, and some coaches can live in a bubble, and but boy, it's hard to do that at Kentucky and not be aware of the criticism and and not even bump into it all of the time. And that that doesn't only become hard on you. It gets hard for your family. And I, I think there's a scenario where, if this Kentucky team continues to underachieve and like, you know, loses in the second round of the NCAA tournament or like, let's just throw it out there. Maybe misses the NCAA tournament. I'm not predicting that, but it, it's certainly on the table at this point. Like it, it's not, it's not impossible to imagine then for the same reason Shaka smart left Texas. I could see John Calipari going to Texas uh, because it, it would give him a fresh, uh, set of expectations, uh, a fan base that can see the good as opposed to, uh, you know, obsessed with the bad. Yeah. And Texas could match them dollar for dollar. Like you, you, you know, how many places could pay John Calipari what he makes at Kentucky? I don't know, but Texas can, if they want to. So I do think he's a, a, a realistic candidate, more realistic for this Texas job. If they want him, than he's ever been for any other job since he took the Kentucky job. Also on the list of candidates, I put uh, Chris Holtman, you know, not because I think necessarily Texas is a better job than Ohio State. I actually think they're pretty comparable jobs. Like they're big schools and the most prominent schools in their states. And they've got unlimited resources, um, but football matters more at both places. Like that's Texas. That's Ohio State. So I I don't know which job is better, but I do think they're comparable. Um, maybe more talent in Texas might tip it the scales towards Texas, but they're comparable jobs. Um, but like Chris Holtman's great. If I were an Ohio State fan, I would just be happy he's my coach. But if I were to tweet that right now, somebody would quickly reply, hadn't made a Sweet 16 yet. When's he going to the Sweet 16? 
And, you know, people draw these lines at different places. And if you don't meet them, it becomes um, a problem for you. But same type of deal. If Ohio State were to lose in the first round of the NCAA tournament and that narrative intensifies and extends, you could see Chris Holtman maybe, you know, if, if approached saying, should I do this just to just to start fresh? Um, I put Eric Musselman on the list and acknowledge that, you know, when you've got a great job like the Arkansas job and you're doing well at it, that's not the type of guy who typically goes and, and leaves it. But, you know, and I do think Arkansas is a great job, but I, I would probably rank Texas ahead of it. And then, you know, my friend, our colleague Seth Davis made this point in a list he did for the athletic that, you know, where you live matters to some coaches. And I, I you know, I, I, I say this respectfully, Fayetteville, Arkansas is an amazing college town, but it is a college town. And Austin is a, is an incredible, one of the great American cities. And so that could be something that, you know, makes that possible move uh, compelling. Like not only do I get to go work at a big time university with unlimited resources and talent all around the state, but my family also gets to live in Austin as opposed to, to Fayetteville. So that's just something to, to, to think about. You know, coaches don't always make these decisions strictly about basketball. I, I know one coach when the Mississippi State job opened, I think after they sort of pushed Rick Stansberry out there, there was a coach, I don't want to name him, but he interviewed for the job. And I think if, it, if he wanted the job, he, it was his job. And he called me because he knows I live in Mississippi. And he said, talk to me about Starkville, Mississippi. And we were talking through it. And he was like, this coach, at the end of the conversation, he said, I just don't think I can raise my family in Starkville, Mississippi. I just don't think I want to No, no, like I have nothing against Mississippi or Mississippi state, but I just don't know if that's the place I want to raise my family in Starkville, Mississippi. And he literally, if he didn't actually turn down the job, he passed on the opportunity to be offered the job because he didn't want to live in that place. And so these are the types of things that factor in sometimes. Um, also on the list, Royal Ivy, you know, t- former Texas player, Brooklyn Nets assistant. He was endorsed by Kevin Durant when the job opened last time interviewed for the job obviously when you you know consider hiring somebody who's literally never worked on a college campus you're you're open yourself up to some risk but you know it, it doesn't mean it can't work um penny hardaway had never worked on a college campus before he got the memphis job and you know uh, i know it's been bumpy but it you know it's pretty pretty solid right now coming off an NCAA tournament appearance and got another team that looks like it's going to make the NCAA tournament. So that's another name on the list. Uh, but ultimately, to wrap this all up, I think Rodney Terry will be the, the coaching Texas next season uh, because, you know, he has been – and this is a fascinating situation. This is true for Rodney. Imagine waking up with this on your plate. I'm going to coach for the next three months, and if I do this well – I'm probably going to make guaranteed $15 million. And if I don't, I'm going to go be an assistant coach somewhere for 300,000. That's where that is Rodney Terry's life right now. All right. All right. It's your job to lose. And if you knock this thing out of the park, I I can lock you in guaranteed $15 million. I'm just throwing out a number five, five years, $3 million a year. Right. Yep. Um, but if you don't do it well, you're back to, you know, making $300,000 a year. Who's got more on the line over the next three months than Rodney Terry? But like you pointed out, he has inherited a really talented, experienced team from Chris Beard and just got to keep it between the lines. Now, the, the Big 12 can eat you up. You, you got you to gotta do the job. Just having good players ain't good enough because most teams have good players. But if he does this job well enough, and I think that he will, I think Rodney Terry – Raised in Texas, spent you know a decade or so on Rick Barnes' staff at Texas. Um, you know he knows his surroundings. He's comfortable in his surroundings. He's well liked. I don't know if you know Rodney, but I've known Rodney for I, you know th- th- somewhere between fifteen and twenty years. Great guy. I mean, just like the best in terms of easy to get along with, easy to talk to. I'm, I'm sure he has allies on that campus within that athletic department. And if he does well enough, and I think that he will. I think uh, he'll have the opportunity to keep that job. Yeah, I agree. I think he's probably the the favorite at this point, so long as he, like you said, could keep it between the lines. And Texas makes a run this season uh, would put him as the as the front runner 
to win that job. A couple that you mentioned in your column that I will just highlight as well. I, we talked about all of them. Actually, Jerome Tang was the, was the final That's one. The, uh, I'm glad you brought that up. Go ahead. He was he was the one that you hadn't mentioned yet. I, I really liked that one. Obviously, he just took, took over his first program as a head coach at Kansas State after serving 19 seasons at uh, at Baylor as kind of Scott Drew's right hand man, lieutenant. Uh, dude could clearly coach. I mean, K- Kansas State has has been pretty mediocre, kind of middle to bottom feeder in the Big 12 for a really long time. Kansas State's 13 and one to start the year. He seems to just. Sometimes you just know when a coach just has it, and it seems like he has it. Uh, you highlighted, obviously, like the chances of or the the likelihood that any coach goes to one program and just goes and leaves after one year is not likely. And I'd be kind of surprised if Jerome Tang took the Kansas State job and then just left. But Texas is a job where you just you leave for one. That's after one year if, if it's available to you. Yeah, let, let me let's just stop there for a second. Um, because a couple points. First off, it is not normal to take a job and leave one year later. But if the job you have is the Kansas State job and the job you get offered is the Texas job, well, then you leave after one year. Yeah. I don't know that Jerome Tang would ever be offered the Kansas job. Uh, I mean, the, 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 I'm sorry, the Texas job. Right. I, I can't imagine he would be offered the Texas job and not take the Texas job. And I had some people last night when I put Jerome on the list say, come on, he's coached a, a half a season. Let's slow it down. Well, can I remind you that Arizona hired a coach who had never been a head coach? That's the Arizona basketball hired somebody who had never been a head coach and that's going brilliantly. Yeah. So, um, you know, Jerome was working in the state of Texas for nearly 20 years, side by side with Scott Drew. He knows what winning in the Big 12 looks like. He helped build that program from nothing into a like actual national champion. And if he continues to do well this year at Kansas State, I could, um, you know, and, and Rodney Terry like falls short of expectations and the job actually opens. I, I would be, yeah, I think Jerome Tang would have to be somebody you'd be interested in if you're at the University of Texas. I'm sort of looking through the uh, YouTube comments here and the name Rick Patino comes up. Let, let me just say this. I think Rick Patino is amazing. I think Rick Patino is going to coach um, at the high major level again. If I were St. John's and my job opened up, I would offer it to Rick Patino. I'm not sure at the university of Texas, when you just fired a coach because of a personal life scandal, I don't know that you can hire another coach who has had personal life scandals. And I know Rick's story is vastly different than Chris Beard's story. I'm not comparing the two other than putting them under the umbrella of personal life scandals. And I don't, I just don't think if you're Texas, you can go down that path right now. Yeah, I think that's right. Two more. I will add to this candidates list that you did not include in your column. Not sure how realistic they are, but TJ also Otzelberger uh, turned a two and 22 Iowa state program into a tourney tournament team in his first year. They won 22 games advanced to the second weekend of the NCAA tournament. Iowa state is surprising 11 and two to start the year. A lot of sample size that Otzelberger is a really, really good basketball coach. He was, uh, he was set. He was really good at South Dakota state. Obviously that's why he won the, the Iowa state gig. Um, and so far Iowa state, like I don't think anyone expected they'd be 11 to two to start the year, but they look like they're not dropping off from last season and on track to again, make the NCAA tournament. And then the second one, which I think is probably less realistic than Otzo Berger and maybe by a lot, Dan Hurley, uh, he's done really well for himself at the UConn job, turn the Huskies around in a hurry. They, they were a tourney team the last two seasons, obviously look like they could be a two or a three seed, or maybe even a one seed if they figure things out. UConn isn't the same job that it once was early in the 2000s, and I think Texas is a better job with better resources. Now, would he leave UConn? I kind of doubt it. Uh, would he fit culturally at Texas? I'm not entirely sure, but also, like, would it matter? Like, yeah. does it matter? Well, I mean, if you're, if you're going to get paid double what you're making at UConn, maybe Dan Hurley takes a look there. That, that's kind of a long shot that I thought, yeah, that could be interesting. Yeah, I would, you know, if I were making a longer list, I would, uh, I would, I would put those guys on it. Certainly I'd make a phone call to Dan. I mean, you'd be asking him to, you know, this is a guy from who is from up there, as they say, to go into the deep South, the heart of Texas, um, you know, like that's fine. You know, you, you don't have to be defined by where you grew up or where you've worked. Um, you know, I, I think great basketball coaches work anywhere. You know, you could take, um, you know, if, if, 
if somebody's gr- like circling back to John Calipari, like John Calipari has been super successful at UMass, so in New England, and also in Memphis, you know, sort of in the middle of the, you know, the, the SEC, and certainly the South. Um, and now, you know, in Lexington, Kentucky as well. So I think great coaches can can be great anywhere. Um, that wouldn't concern me. Uh, but, uh, you know, I, I don't know that Dan would want to move uh, to Texas. But, like, it's a lot of money and it's a great job. It'd certainly be worth a, worth a phone call. T.J. Otzelberger's really good name. Um, and, and another one is uh, Nate Oates mm-hmm. at Alabama. You know, he makes a lot of money, big buyout, all that stuff. But I, I think Nate is terrific. He's really um, figured out how to modernize his style of play um, at uh, at Alabama and in ways that, you know, frankly, other coaches haven't quite been able to figure out. And, uh, you know, if 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 I'm not just hand if I'm not just removing the interim tag from from. Uh, Rodney Terry and handing him the job full time. And I'm putting a list together. Nate Oates would be on that list of people I would want to talk to. Also in the uh, YouTube comments, Dennis Gates at Missouri. Yeah, absolutely. And this isn't, I know with Jerome Tang, you can say, yeah, first year at Kansas State, he's only coached half a season. Um, With Dennis Gates, like there is a track record of winning somewhere else. You know, he was successful um, at, at Cleveland State, and now he's, you know, killing it at Missouri. So these are all reasonable candidates. Um, you know, we'll revisit it, I'm, I'm certain, at some point. But but for now, if I had to handicap this thing, I would, uh, I would probably make Rodney Terry the leader to be Texas coach next season, strictly because he's already in position to get the job. He just has to not screw this up. And as long as he doesn't screw it up, I think he's a, I think he's the most likely, um, the most likely guy, you know, coaching game one in the 2023-24 season. And the chaos, the chaos hire would be Mark Adams, right? Texas just goes and hires Texas Tech's coach again, and then Texas Tech fans. Are just- <laughs> okay. I, don't, I don't, I don't think Texas would hire, will hire Mark Adams, but oh boy. Uh, yeah, that would be that'd be fun on that'd be fun on the internet. Yes. I, I don't I don't know that that's realistic. In fact, I'd be shocked. But it, it would be fun. It would be uh, it'd be fun on the internet for sure. Let's move on. Providence is alone atop the Big East standings despite returning zero starters from last season's team. We're going to touch on the Friars next, but first, a, a word from our partners. Hey, I'm Brett Podolsky co-founder of The Farmer's Dog. We make fresh food for dogs. We started the company when we saw what a huge difference it made in my own dog, Jada, when she stopped eating ultra-processed kibble and started eating fresh, whole food. The Farmer's Dog food isn't fancy. It's just real food delivered to your door in pre-portioned packs. It's better for them and easier for you. Get 50% off your first box at thefarmersdog.com slash podcast. That's thefarmersdog.com slash podcast. Robert Half Research indicates 9 out of 10 hiring managers are having difficulty hiring. If you have open roles, chances are you're feeling this too. That's why you need Robert Half. Our specialized recruiting professionals engage with our proprietary AI to connect businesses of all sizes with highly skilled talent in finance and accounting, technology, marketing and creative, legal, and administrative and customer support. At Robert Half, we know talent. Visit roberthalf.com today. A reminder, if you want, you can now email the show, shouts2cbs at gmail.com. Shouts2cbs at gmail.com. We are loving the responses we've gotten, the emails, the correspondence, the questions. Continue sending them. You can send in a video if you'd like, 10 to 15 second video. Ask a question, name, city, town, get out. We'll try and drop those in going forward on the show, on the YouTube channel. Continue to send us stuff. We love hearing from you. And thank you, as always, for subscribing. So surprise, surprise, Providence is alone atop the Big East standings despite returning zero starters from last season's team. Friars are 13-3. and They're on an eight-game winning streak. 5-0 and in the Big East. Uh, strong jaw. Is it is it too early to get excited? Or are you a believer in what Ed Cooley is doing once again? Yeah, I'm not sure if you know this or not, GP, but I actually studied advanced sciences in college. And one thing that I found pretty interesting doing some research here, did you know mm. you actually cannot spell Ed Cooley without the word cool? I, I, you know, I never thought about it, but that seems obvious to me, sure. Coincidence, or is it? I, I feel like we should have seen this coming. I mean, 
Providence's atop the Big East standings. Ed Cooley doing his thing. Once again, we completely underrated him. Last season, they were kind of the sleeper of the Big East last last year. This year, it looks like they are again a contender despite you know losing a lot of really, really important pieces. Justin Manaya, Al Durham, Nate Watson. I'm not surprised, but the way in which they have got to the top of the Big East, I think, is, is most surprising. Uh, they've cruised past DePaul on the road on January 1st. They won by double digits over UConn three days later. So it's really impressive, I think, that... Uh, Cooley, I think, continues to be vastly underrated. The way he's pieced together this roster, I mean, uh, deserves a ton of credit. Pick Bryce Hopkins off from Kentucky after averaging like two points and playing six and a half minutes per game in one season with the Wildcats. And now he's leading Providence this season, 16.4 points per game, 9.2 rebounds per game. Just a total revelation with the Friars. And I'm sure infuriating for Kentucky fans. Devin Carter, another SEC transfer. Uh, this one from South Carolina, second leading scorer on the team, third in steals among all Big East players. So this team is legit. I don't think it's a fluke. Um, we, maybe we should have seen this coming, but uh, Providence rocking and rolling right now. They look like one of the best in the Big East. Yeah, like I said, they they lose all five starters from last season's team, and they were picked fifth. I think reasonably picked fifth in the Big East behind Creighton, Xavier, Villanova, and UConn. And like I wrote in the lead of the top 25 and one on Thursday morning, like they might finish fifth, you know, there's a long way to go. And there's obviously really good teams in in the Big East, a good team, an NCAA tournament team is going to finish fifth in the Big East probably. So, um, you know, that, 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 that prediction might look right, you know, in a, a month or maybe in two weeks, but, it's it's hard not to take note of what Ed has been able to do with this team uh, so far this season. Most recently, of course, uh, beating UConn and extending the Huskies' losing streak to to two games. And um, the star of it being Bryce Hopkins is just like if you're a Kentucky fan, it must. I don't know if it makes you sick, but it's another thing where if you're now act- actively looking for things to be frustrated with about John Calipari, well, then there's another one right there. Like, hold up. This guy, you had him in your program last season, and he played 6.4 minutes per game. 6.4 minutes per game. And now he goes to Providence, in part because he only played 6.4 minutes per game, and he's averaging 16.4 points, 9.2 rebounds in 33.1 minutes per game. Like, what, what, what did Ed Cooley see and Bryce Hopkins to unleash this that John Calipari did not. I don't know the answer to that question. I I ask it from an honest place. And obviously at Kentucky, year in and year out, you're going to have a lot of really talented guys. Um, But Bryce Hopkins is like a legitimate candidate for Big East Player of the Year right now. Yeah. And, you know, in theory, there's a scenario where he could be on Kentucky's team and would, you know, probably be Kentucky's second best player. But Kentucky didn't value him um, the, the way uh, that he needed to be valued to be convinced to stay there. And so now he's starring at Providence. And I'm sure Providence fans are thrilled and Kentucky fans are a little, uh, yeah, scratching their heads a little bit, wondering what could have been. A lot like Johnny Juzang leaves Kentucky, goes to UCLA, All-American. Cal Wilcher leaves Kentucky, goes to Gonzaga, All-American, the latest example that appears to be Bryce Hopkins. And oh, by the way, Keon Brooks, transfer from Kentucky. He's with Washington this season, averaging 16.2 points per game. That's by far a career high. It's a fifth best among Pac-12 players. Having a career year could be potentially the, I mean, I don't think he's the front runner, but I think he's a, certainly a contender for Pac-12 player of the year. So there's two Kentucky transfers who could go on to either contend or actually win player of the year honors in their respective new conferences. Got to sting if you're a Kentucky fan. All right. Um, before we get to the final four and one, we'll, we'll do some predictions here, uh, get based on the conversation we're having, and we'll see how they look in, in two months. The Big East champion will be It's going to be UConn. I think, I think that would still be my pick as well. But I'm not going to get caught doubting Ed Cooley again. Mm. And Xavier, 
I mean, right now you got to listen. I think UConn's the best team in the Big East, but UConn is also three and two in the Big East. While no. while Providence is sitting there at five and zero oh and four and zero. Oh. Now again, long way to go. Uh, we're going to end up playing twenty Big East games, but you know, Providence is already a quarter of its way through its Big East schedule, and you know they've. If we're if we're both predicting UConn to pass them, well, they got to make up some ground. Uh, you know, they got to make up some some ground with with only seventy five percent of the schedule left. So I, I do think UConn's the best team in the Big East, but I'm not sure UConn is is going to win the Big East. Although, yeah, if I were predicting this last week or today, I would still probably probably go with the Huskies. Xavier, Xavier, uh, very much in the mix too. Four and zero in Big East play. They just knocked off UConn before the end of the year. Um, I feel like I should say that because I know Matt Norlander's all over Xavier in the preseason. Uh, they're very much going to be in the mix as well. All right, let's get to the final four and one. Not, I, I, I think we, if I remember correctly, we opened Monday show. Uh, I opened Monday show celebrating my accomplishments from last week, and I think I'm 21, 21, 21. 21, 21. I think I'm 21, 15, and one. And so is dead leg. Is that correct? Yeah, you guys are tied at 21, 15, and one. 21, 21. After a amazing weekend. 21, 21. It might be your best weekend ever doing the final four and one. Wow. And, and, and maybe, maybe by extension, my best weekend ever. You know, like maybe just my best weekend I've ever had. Broadly speaking, I, I won't go that far. I know. Again, you've told too many stories to where that might be your best weekend ever. Yeah, I don't even remember what I did last weekend. I'm confident it wasn't my best weekend ever, but I did pick games correctly, so that was that was nice. That's a pl- we're gonna put that in the plus column. All right, you know how the final four and one normally works. Normally, I uh, I, I pick four games, and then Norlander would uh, pick the fifth, like sort of on the fly. But here's the deal. Norlander wanted to pick these games this weekend, even though, and I should say, he, we didn't fire him. He's not fired. He's just on a, he, he does an annual skiing trip with his family. And, um, and you know, once, once a weekend, uh, once a year in the weekend during college basketball season, and that is happening like right now. Like I think dead leg is on the slopes right now. So he wasn't going to be here for this episode. And there'll be a weekend coming up where I'm going to have to do something similar. Um, but he wanted to still pick the games for the weekend so that we would have the same number of picks throughout the season. So um, what I did is I picked all five games. Sue me. I picked all five games uh, so that I could send them to, to Strongjaw and Deadleg last night. And uh, Norlander, I'm, I'm sure, will turn his picks in to me and Nada uh, at some point before these games tip off uh, this weekend. Let's start with game one. It's Saturday, noon Eastern. Creighton at number four, UConn inside Josh Knockamson Pavilion. Josh Knockamson Pavilion. You can watch it on Fox. Kim Pom has it. Woo! UConn minus nine. Mm. Mm. GP, I got a question for you. Did you retire the str? Yeah, I think I just get I, I I I come up with these things and then I get bored with them and then I just forget about them. But no, nah, I could bring that back at any time. I can okay. keep, stay stay on your toes. I could bring that up at any time. Okay, I'm gonna I'm gonna need you to call it up because I'm going Creighton. Straight up, Creighton over UConn. The big upset of the weekend. UConn is struggling right now. They've lost two straight. Creighton has won three straight by double figures. They're humming right now. They, I think they match up really well with UConn. Kalkbrenner at full strength. I think this team can beat anyone. I think we get some some Maui Creighton back into the mix on Saturday. So I like Creighton in this spot. Yeah, I, I think this number is in. Like, I don't think the actual number. And the reason we use Ken Palm on Friday is because on Friday morning, uh, the the lines for the Saturday games haven't usually been posted yet, so we just have to rely on the Kimpom numbers. I don't think the actual number will be minus nine, because some of that minus nine is it, baked into that is Creighton took some bad losses, but Ryan Kalkbrenner didn't play in uh, I think two of those games. Like where Creighton started to really slip is when they didn't have their best player. Surprise, surprise. So I don't think the number will be minus nine. And um, but it, but for our purposes, it is. And I will take Creighton plus the nine. I think that number is just a little too big. Um, I, I do not think Creighton goes to you kind of wins, 
but I think they stay inside that number. Game two Saturday, 1 p.m. Eastern. Kentucky at number seven, Alabama, inside Albert Means Coliseum. You can watch it on ESPN. Kim Pom has it. Alabama minus six. Alabama here is the is the pick for me. I will take the points with Bama. I think it's something like a 74-70 type game. Um, Kentucky's just wandering through the wilderness right now on offense. Uh, this, this team just seems a bit off, not totally clicking. I'm not sure if uh, – I feel like we've been waiting for Kentucky to s- kind of beat Kentucky, and they just – they just aren't, and maybe that starts clicking, but I don't think it's against Alabama. They they will absolutely light up Kentucky on offense, and defensively, I, I think they'll present enough challenges that uh, they get it done here. It's reasonably close, but Alabama wins it. You know how many road wins Kentucky has so far this season? 28. Zero. Zero. God, I knew it. They have not won a road. I like I liked your answer though. I, I, I often when I don't know the answer, just throw out something absurd. <laughs> like my answer for nearly every question uh, when it comes to so who was the last team to do this or who was the first team to do whatever? If I I, I just go UMass Lowell. I just always say I just always guess UMass Lowell. It's, it's you know it's gonna be right one day, but I don't th- I don't think it's been right so far. Um, Kentucky hasn't won a road game. All season. I was talking to somebody. In fairness, they've only played two. Uh, but they lost both by double digits, you know, at, uh, by 16 points at Gonzaga. And uh, even though that wasn't technically a road game, that was neutral site. That was neutral site. That's not in the kennel. And then they lost, you know, got blown out at Missouri. And I was talking to somebody about this the other day. When you start looking at most of the teams that get put on – uh, you know, these disappointing lists. It's like, well, they started out good and they kind of turned on them. Or they started out bad, but they look like they're getting better. Kentucky hasn't looked good all year. No. They, Kentucky hasn't looked good all year. And like, we're, we're 14 games into this thing. And they haven't looked good all year. They haven't beaten what I think is a good team all year. And they've shown no ability. They haven't shown anything. I'll just keep... While prefacing, it's basketball. Who the hell knows? But... They've shown nothing that makes you think they're going to go to Alabama and win this game and perhaps even be competitive. I'll, I'll lay the points. Uh, I'll, I'll go Alabama minus six. I think the, maybe Kentucky's competitive for a little while, but I think ultimately Alabama covers that number and, and maybe wins by by double digits. Game three, Saturday, 2 p.m. Eastern, number 25, Iowa State at number 17, TCU inside Desmond Bain Arena. You can watch it on ESPNU. Kim Pom's got it. TCU minus three. Going to lay the points here with TCU. Fourth longest win streak in college hoops right now. TCU does. Lots of talent with Mike Miles, Manuel Miller, Damian Baugh. I think TCU gets it done with with all due respect to future Texas coach TJ Otzelberger. Um, I like TCU in the spot. You know what's wild is that um, you know TCU started the season ranked. They didn't have Damian Baugh. Uh, didn't have Mike Miles, and they lost a game to Northwestern State. 64-63 at home. They lost a one-point game to Northwestern State. It's a horrific loss. Northwestern State is 276 at Kenpom. But again, they were missing two of their top three scores. All right? Now, that's no excuse. You should beat Northwestern State even without Damian Bond and Mike Miles. But it is a fact that they didn't have Damian Ball and Mike Miles. I think if they even have one of those dudes, they don't lose that game. All right? So TCU is a Damian Baugh being available or a Mike Miles being available or merely one bucket, you know, one one more shot going in or one more defensive stop from being right now 14-0. And they'd be 14-0 with wins over Baylor, Texas Tech, Providence, and Iowa. They would be getting first place votes in the AP poll if not for the Northwestern State thing that I just explained happened because they were short, severely shorthanded. So I sort of course corrected with them in the top 25 and one after they went and won at, at Baylor on Wednesday night because I had sort of had them, I think, in the 20s just based on, hey, listen, that loss is a loss. You know, it, I'm not going to spend every morning going back through everybody's uh, game is played and saying, okay, but this team lost this game when so-and-so wasn't playing. And just losses are losses, wins are wins, for the most part for my purposes. But I adjusted for TCU after the win at Baylor because um, they look like one of the best teams in the country. I jumped them up to 
They're 12 in Friday morning's top 25 and one, but they would maybe be number one and certainly in the top five at this point if just if that Northwestern State game did not exist. I'm with you. I'm going to lay the points uh, with TCU and expect them to extend uh, that winning streak with a win over Iowa State. Game four Saturday, 6 p.m. Eastern. Kansas State at number 19, Baylor, inside the Huck Center. You can watch it on ESPN+. Plus. Kimpom has it, Baylor minus five. I am again laying the points with the home favorite, with Baylor, my king, Keontae George, coming off career high, 27 points versus TCU. The weapons Baylor has in this backcourt is, is comical. Flagler, George, LJ Cryer. I think they snapped their two-game skid, get back in the win column. I'm going to take the points. Yeah. Um, I'm a believer in Kansas State. Like They were picked last in the Big 12. And I went and looked. And they, I want to be clear. They're like uh, Big Twelve coaches poll preseason. The coaches voted. Pick Kansas State last. CBS Sports. Me, you, David Cobb, Matt Norlander, I believe Jerry Palm. We all projected the Big Twelve standings. Yep. Every one of us picked Kansas State last. And so clearly, uh, you know, we're, we're gonna. I don't want to say clearly because. At this point, any Big 12 team could finish last still, including I, – I mean, I don't think Texas – I mean, I don't think Kansas would. Any any Big 12 team besides Kansas could theoretically finish last because right now this is true. A top 40 Ken Palm team, or at least a team that is ranked in the top 40 at Ken Palm right now, has to finish last in the Big 12. Has yes. to. Somebody's got to finish last. And it might end up being Kansas State, you know, because – Again, there's nothing but good teams in this league. Uh, but at this point, it looks like it's unlikely to be Kansas State. I don't think the Wildcats are going to finish last. And when you start to look at their roster, like, okay, who, who are they doing this with? Well, let's start with Keontae Johnson, who was the preseason SEC player of the year a few years ago before he was sidelined by a medical condition. So that's a guy who's super talented, old now relative to college basketball. And it shouldn't be surprising that he looks like a Big 12 Player of the Year candidate. Marquise Noel is an awesome college basketball player. Desi Sells was a starter for an Elite Eight team at Arkansas. These are real players. And, I, you know, I, maybe we were dismissive of it in the preseason. The coaches as well. Because, like, you don't know what you what are you going to get from Keontae Johnson. I had no idea. Um, but But he's great. Noel is tremendous. Desi Sells is, like I said, started for an elite eight. This, this isn't fluky, I don't think. I think they're legitimately good. And so, yeah, I guess I'd assume Baylor wins the game. But I'm going to take Kansas State plus the points and and, and trust them to, to stay inside uh, that number. And if they go down there and win, I don't, I don't think that's the craziest thing in the world. Jerome Tang's got a good team. Game five, Saturday, 8.30 p.m. Eastern. Number 13, Arkansas at number 22, Auburn inside Chris Porter Arena. You can watch it on the SEC Network. Ken Palm has it. Arkansas minus one. You don't just walk into Chris Porter Arena, do you? I, I, that's tough. I tell you, um, you know, when people put together a list of great college basketball home court advantages, it usually starts with Allen Fieldhouse, Cameron Indoor, um, you know, the kennel, Um I, I did a game at Auburn. I did the Auburn-Kentucky game on the sideline for CBS Sports last season. Like, historically, it doesn't belong in the same conversation. In that moment, on that day, it's as good as it gets. And this season, it has largely been um, as good as it gets. That's a that's a really significant home court advantage. Um, and it's why I would... And I'll get your pick in just a second. I, I'm going to take Auburn here. Just straight. I don't think Auburn's better than Arkansas, but I think Auburn can beat Arkansas at home while Arkansas is also presumably playing without two of its top four players. Trayvon Brazil sidelined for the year with ACL and Nick Smith Jr. still dealing with a lingering knee issue that has him 
uh, out indefinitely. Um, I, I'm leaving open the possibility you'll just turn your TV on this weekend and Nick Smith Jr. is playing. I don't think that's true, though. Um, yeah. There's starting to be growing speculation in basketball circles. I wonder if you've heard this, that, that he might not play again at Arkansas. Just sort of call it a college career and heal up and get ready for the NBA draft. Well, he'll certainly go in the top 10, whether he ever plays – uh, maybe I shouldn't say certainly, but probably goes in the top 10, whether he ever plays another minute at Arkansas or not. So take everything you thought you knew about Arkansas and now remind yourself of this. They're, they're without two of the best four. Take I say this all the time when programs are going through this. Take two of the top four off of anybody and and they probably got problems. And there's certainly less... The ceiling lowers um, a bit, at least. And and that's what Arkansas is right now with the absence of, of, of those two players. Um, the only thing that makes me think maybe Arkansas can go win the game is because Auburn hadn't been very good this year. Yeah. You know, I, I moved Auburn out of the top 25 and one after the loss to Memphis. It's a neutral court loss in Atlanta because I was like, they haven't done anything, you know, and they just lost to a Memphis team that had previously lost to, you know, Seton Hall and St. Louis. So... At that point, it didn't make any sense to rank Auburn over Memphis, and I didn't want to rank Memphis yet because I didn't think the resume deserved it. So I just knocked Auburn out, and now I think this coming Monday, people are going to catch up with me because Auburn has also lost um, at USC, which is not a bad loss, but USC is a sub-60 Ken Palm team. And then on Wednesday night, Auburn lost at Georgia by double digits. And so I'm skeptical of how good this Auburn team is, but I do think Auburn is good enough to to beat Arkansas, given Arkansas's injury situations and and that that incredible home court advantage. The same thing we're saying about Arkansas and injuries is the same thing we were saying about Houston last season. <laughs> I know. And Houston won thirty two games, made us look silly. Great coaching. I think they have the the depth and the talent. Um, to overcome that, so I, I like our. I actually like like Arkansas in this spot to win outright. Anthony Black is is you know continuing to be one of the best freshmen in college basketball. Ricky Council has been a, re- a revelation, really good transfer. So uh, to your point, I have not been impressed with what I've seen from Auburn. I have been impressed with what I've seen from Arkansas, and despite being a little bit shorthanded, I will uh, I will ride the the must bus on this one here. So how have I done holding my microphone? Pretty good. Yeah, no no disruptions. I didn't hear any uh, weird noises or anything coming from you. It's pretty impressive. Might deserve a raise and maybe some more Gorilla Glue. I've got, I've got Gorilla Glue, and I've got a broken mic, and I've been Gorilla Gluing my mic together every Friday – because when I travel back from New York, first off, TSA broke it. I'm not try- I can't name names. I'm just telling you, one day my mic was totally, cl- completely intact, and then I traveled with it, and then I landed, and I took the mic out of my suitcase, and it was broken in half. And um, so I was like, okay, well, I guess, you know, other people are dealing with more serious challenges than that. If this is the worst thing that happens to me today, I'll be fine. Plus, I got Gorilla Glue. So I've been gluing it back together. And this time I just, I'm trying to glue it on top of glue as opposed to glue it together. It's just not, you saw me. We spent, if you wonder why we started a few minutes late, it's because I was sitting here trying to gorilla glue my mic back together um, unsuccessfully. And so I think I'm just going to have to break down and, and get a new one. But I tell you, these TSA folks, I know they have hard jobs, but if they just, I wanted to test them on my flight home from New York yesterday. So what I did is very carefully, this was all intact. And what I did very carefully is, um, is, is wrap it up in a t-shirt. In other words, when I land, it should still be wrapped up in a t-shirt unless you're just messing with it. So when I landed, opened up my suitcase, not in the t-shirt anymore and torn apart. I don't think now, I don't think they're intentionally tearing it apart, but like if you handle it recklessly, it, it will come apart because it's just gorilla glued together. And the other one they always get me with, like I travel with medicine. You know, I'm, I'm, an, I'm an older guy now. You know, you got to sometimes you got to take medicine. So I travel with uh, pill bottles and like prescription, like 
just normal. You're getting older. You need to take these pills every day type stuff. Nothing serious. And um, they open these bottles and they don't close the caps. I, I, I'm not exaggerating. One out of every three times I travel, when I open my suitcase back up, I have pills just everywhere in my suitcase. Like, what, what are you doing? Because, like, that, that has to be intentional, doesn't it? Because everybody knows how to close a pill bottle. You're just opening it up to inspect it, and then you're not closing it. And you're just – that's – um. That's um, that's not the way you should be doing that job, I don't think. Just spreading people's pills all over their suitcase. What are the chances that this TSA agent is an IU fan? I can't say for sure at this point. I mean, but it, like, I don't know. Like, I'm, uh, it's frustrating. You know, you try not to. Everybody's got a job to do, and you try not to. You know, but like, if you op- if you open a pill bottle, close it. Is that too much to ask? I don't mind you opening it. I, I'm not trying to sneak anything through LaGuardia. If you need to open my pill bottles to inspect them, feel free. I got nothing to hide. All I ask, can you close them? Yeah. And if you need to inspect my microphone, that's fine. But can you be gentle with it? Like these things aren't the, this, these things aren't cheap. I mean, I know they look at now, but these things aren't cheap, and they're just breaking them every time. It's crazy to me. I, people just don't realize they're are more of us than there are of them. <sighs> I, they just don't realize. It's, it's a tough situation. Again, everybody, everybody has their challenges in life. But right now, my, my mortal enemy is TSA. And I like the people who like, you know, send me. I, I appreciate TSA PreCheck. Love TSA. Pre- Watch, I'm going to get flagged now. They're going to be inspecting me, patting me down every time. They're going to start taking the. Oh, you want to talk about us on that stupid podcast, huh? Well, now, well, now we got to, well, now we got to pat you down every time you come through security. Fine. I appreciate all. The, I appreciate that part of the job. My issues are with the people who are going through my bag, yes, and 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 opening pill bottles, not closing them, and not being gentle with my stuff. You should be able to look in a suitcase and say, okay, this guy's traveling with microphone and big board and a lot of stuff. This this stuff must be important, or else he wouldn't be traveling with it. Just just be gentle with it. That shouldn't be too much to ask. Should it? Should it? No. Am I, am I over complaining? No, I think it's fair. I'm just saying, don't break my stuff. Do your job, but don't break my stuff. Yeah, yeah. Jesus, unreal. Life's hard, man. I get it. Life presents you with challenges every day. We'll get through it, though, won't we? We'll get through it. I do. I will tell you, my arms get a little tired from holding this mic. I've been holding this stupid thing for an hour. Tennis elbows coming back. Gosh. Uh, oh, look, no. I, look, I might. What if I get muscles from doing this? God. Bicep popping out. Look at that. Here's the real problem. Look at this one. If you think that one's something, look at that one right there. Wow. I have no muscles. Uh, the the problem is that I tried to gorilla glue it before we started unsuccessfully, but I still had Gorilla Glue everywhere, so now guess what's going on with my hands? Gorilla Glue all over my hands again, and that's not easy to get off. I've got a, I've got a hell of a day in front of me, you know? i got a hell of a day in front of me. i got to get Gorilla Glue off, and then I'm taking the kids to SmackDown tonight. <sighs> We're going to SmackDown. We're going to wrestling tonight. My little guys are fired up. <clears throat> Hopefully I'll get, to, I'll get all this Gorilla Glue off my hands, because I'd hate to meet Roman Reigns shake his hand and he'd be like yo man you got gorilla glue in your hands that'd be that'd be embarrassing someone's asking can we get you a clap before the the show ends just a clap to applause us off what if, like look can you see my hands actually do stick together you see that <laughs> you got problems you, you got problems everybody has challenges in their lives i know but right now mine is i got gorilla glue hands and TSA has decided to start picking on me for some reason. I can't make sense of it. Shouts to Devin Downey. Shouts to Chester, South Carolina. Shouts to Huck Larnell. Thank you, guys, once again for listening to the Island College Basketball Podcast. If you're not subscribed, please go subscribe. Anywhere you subscribe to podcasts, including Apple Podcasts and Spotify, over at Apple, leave us a five-star review. Type some words. It needs to be reflected in the comments. There are more of us than there are of them. Appreciate you guys being here. Subscribe to the YouTube channel if you haven't. And we're going to talk to you again on Sunday night. We'll see if I can get this thing put back together by then. I got a couple of days. We'll see. We'll see what I can do. Talk to you Sunday. Till then, take care.
Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road. The steeper, the better. Because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive, so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones, so we'll never lose touch with civilization, and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic and conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. 